This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Taves at the line. Middle of the ice, Jack Johnson. Long shot intentionally wide to the net. Bounce front, they score! Parisian. Passes back to the blue line. Long shot, tip, they score! Instant reaction from the players and coaches. Tipped in middle of the ice. Besser knocked it down. Couldn't find it. McKinnon passes out of the zone for Ranton, and who spins back in his own end. Goes to McKinnon. Rink wide left wing for Lekinen. With a chance at the empty net. Shoots. He scores. Arturi Lekinen fires his seventh of the season into the yawning cage. And the Avalanche go up 3-1 in the final minute of the third. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose their third straight game the first time this season they've had a losing streak extend beyond two games a 3-1 defeat in Colorado against the Avalanche and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free one 275 650 now before we bring in Randy Janda into the conversation, uh, what did you think of the overall performance here from the Vancouver Canucks in Colorado tonight? Yeah, like by and large, it was okay, but in moments of urgency, just being okay isn't enough. The big moments, Colorado won. Um, some battles in the corners of, you know, on a power play. I understand it's two minutes you've been out there, Miller, but Gerard wins that battle, keeps the uh, the power play away and it, it just felt like moments like that like critical moments the the net front scrambles just didn't go their way and, and they had some real chances yeah. in the third period I mean I, I thought they probably should have tied the game with a couple of those opportunities in the third but but you don't convert on those and yeah you know there's Lekkinen blocking the heroic one there's the, the another opportunity where they you know get the bodies there to to not let the Canucks get that third fourth chance on on a scramble and, and Georgie have two great saves yeah. one on the the glove save yeah. of Hoaglander uh, a bit of a fluttering puck and then the save in cold on Teddy Bluger after Archie Bain set him up for a chance late in the third period but uh, the Canucks come up short in Colorado against the Avs let's bring in Randy Janda into the discussion Randy uh, what's your main takeaway here after a 3-1 loss against the Avs yeah, there was chances, right? You had chances in the third period, whether it was, you know, scrambles in and around the blue paint. Uh, Philip Ronick had an excellent chance. Credit to Lekkonen for blocking that. But I'd also like to see Philip Ronick not maybe do the slap shot there, maybe get the wrister uh, <laughs> on net. Uh, there were opportunities. Those are the five-on-five one guys, but the power play, yet again, right? You just can't uh, generate there. So overall, uh, this is becoming a bit of a trend for the Canucks where, even over the last three games, you're okay with their five-on-five five game. Uh, even today, you start looking at high-danger chances. You look at uh, through 40 minutes, but add the, the final 20 when the Canucks are chasing that game. Uh, I liked their five-on-five five game, but today was more more about, you know, just a couple of missed opportunities, and I understand it's the second of a back-to-back, but they had their chances to tie this one up in the third period, just couldn't execute. It just feels like that next gear just was, was never there to get activated from them at times when you needed to push it a bit uh, higher to – didn't win a battle or push past someone to get a net drive opportunity. Just didn't feel like it was there with any sort of frequency. 
No, it wasn't. And, you know, the moments that they did have, uh, I, I felt, you know, Colorado shouts to uh, Sam Girard making a, a mm-hmm. right skate save on Niels Hoaglander there. It looked like originally that Georgiev made that save, but that was a, a key block. Uh, it started a little too late, and especially for that Lindholm, Pedersen, and Hoaglander line, I thought they played quite well in the third period. They were the ones that were creating the the opportunities and, and really crashing the crease, but Overall, you didn't see that as much, and credit to Colorado. I thought they played a pretty good defensive game. Uh, Vancouver started off in the first period, denying the middle of the ice, and as this game went on, the second period, Colorado locked it down a little bit more, got that goal. They get that goal uh, to make it 2-1, and for the most part, a couple of scrambles for sure, but you know, limited what Vancouver could do, and, and part of that is you know, credit to Colorado. I thought they were uh, playing a pretty stiff game. But defensively, but also uh, Vancouver, you got to find a way. You know, in the playoffs, the winning the middle of the ice is the key. So this is training, right? This is this is knowing what the standard is and coming back and being stronger for the next game and playing a style of really breaking into that middle of the ice. You know, I think the last couple of games there's been a big narrative around the Canucks' emotional level. Uh, were they emotionally immature against Minnesota? Kind of unraveling when when you had adversity and some calls going against you against the Jets. Uh, Juleson being over aggressive. And, and that's all fine and good, right? We can talk about mm-hmm. those moments, and th- those are things they can control and do better at, right? Today, the issue wasn't emotional, but there's a common thread through these three games. Five-on-five five play through three games mm-hmm. have been fine. Special yep. teams letting you down. Can't score on the power play. Can't generate chances on the power play. You can't score five-on-five five sometimes. Hey, it happens. Bounces. You mentioned a Ronick chance. Great. But for all the talk about Canucks can't beat good teams, they, they, they can't play a physical game, they can't play uh, high-stakes games. They've been more than fine five on five. The issue is the power play. In three straight games, they've let them down. This was a big spot here tonight. Well, that, like that's why I bring up the urgency. Is you see the late one, right? And just in general, like, did you feel like the power play had moments when they were going to convert the goal? Like Hughes hits the post, I get it, and then there's the net jam there by Pedersen. But aside from that, I, I feel like I'm lacking for instances of when the power play looked dangerous. Well, Colorado is completely fine with the Canucks just passing the, uh, the puck around the perimeter, right? And you mentioned the Quinn Hughes moving to the middle of the ice, attacking. That's really the only opportunity they got. And the power play guy is now 1-for-24 uh, in the last eight games. And this is a power play that we've talked about often, especially at the beginning of the year, that it has the potential of being a top five or a top three. It has the weapons. But as of right now, the confidence is not there. And, you know, the movement is not there consistently enough. So you eventually, you pass it around, you're not moving so much, and then you kind of get sick of uh, and frustrated and you try to force the puck in. And we're continually seeing with that with the power play. So, you know, those chances that you mentioned, uh, we saw it with JT Miller a few games ago as well. When he was playing down low, every now and then he'd be given the space and he tried to jam it in and, and those didn't go in. It, was, it would create a bit of a scramble, uh, but they haven't been able to really have the PK on their heels, right? This is, PKs are looking confidence against the Canucks right now. They're looking like they're in position. You want to stretch a a PK thin, and you want them essentially flailing and and being late on plays. They're not late right now because the Canucks are just making it too comfortable. Part of that is confidence, I'm sure. They're frustrated. But, guys, it's also movement. They're just not, in my opinion, moving the puck quick enough, and they're not moving physically themselves, you know, to change up that angle. That JT Miller goal, that one for 24, the one, uh, that was him ever so slightly just changing his shooting angle, going from the half wall up to the point and, and finding that, that lane in the middle of the ice. We just haven't seen that uh, enough. Even the, the Q, uh, Quinn Hughes chance today, that was very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Going to the center of the ice. Uh, 
but that's few and far between right now over the last eight games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the big thing here for me when it comes to uh, the man advantage. And if they play better on the power play, score a goal tonight, maybe you get to overtime. Maybe you get something out of sure. this game. The Winnipeg yep. Jets game, right? You gave up two, don't score at all on the power play yourself. And we all know what happened against the Minnesota Wild. So to me, it's a special th- team's thing here. And I see people texting in, and, and I understand the trepidation and concern fans are going to have, and mm-hmm. there are things you can talk about. But to me, it's pretty simple here. And I don't look at it as the Canucks can't play against these teams. You're on special teams. You have to come through on mm-hmm. it. And I thought their PK was good again today. I mean, uh, they had the three three opportunities. They killed them all off. They looked pretty solid on it overall. Um, I thought Noel Juleson did really well on it too. So I think the Canucks, for the most part, on the PK side have been good. It comes down to that power play because five on five, sometimes the puck is, isn't going to go in for you. It's how you control things and at the very least create some scoring chances. And, and that's the big thing for me. And I wonder if, is it as simple as, just go back to what we did before, guys, in the usual spots, just simplifying it. And I'm not quite sure, but that's what, what they have to figure out. Yeah, so one of those things is, you know, getting the goal is one thing, and it's also a confidence thing. Right now, you're seeing situations where I go back to that Winnipeg game. It was a tie game. Uh, the Canucks are confident. They draw a penalty, and what happens? They're unable to get anything going on the power play, and they come off the ice or they come out of the commercial break or off that power play less confident, and that really gives a boost to the opposition. And so it's one thing not to score, but are you taking away from your 5-on-5 game? You're, you're absolutely right. Winnipeg, Minnesota, and tonight against Colorado, 5-on-5, five five, I haven't had an issue with this team, uh, especially in those two games I mentioned before. The first 40 minutes, they were strong. Uh, a total gong show against Minnesota in the third period, which is probably a period we'll never see again. Uh, so you're gonna wanna, you don't want to write it off, but like you understand, that's a, it's a bit of an outlier. Today, I thought you know they played well, but that power play right now, I'd like to see JT back on that that half wall when he's going downhill. I understand you're trying to move it around, you're trying to make it a little bit different, but it's not even about the positioning on the power play, guys. It's the the zone entries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, teams are reading it well. They do their homework when they're playing the Canucks. And, you know, whether it's Quinn Hughes coming in and dropping off to, to JT Miller and then there's two players that crowded him immediately, uh, they know they close up those passing lanes. So those entries are being read well by the opposition. You got to change it up a little bit. You got to throw in a bank pass, uh, which is something that we saw between JT Miller and Brock Besser earlier on this year. Um, the, the entries are, are being solved right now. And that's really, I feel like, killing a lot of this power play as well is that they're just not able to enter the zone and gain possession. Uh, just taking a look at some of the minute usage here, Rain Deep. Uh, again, like oh, on a back-to-back and how did it get dispersed? Nils Oman was 7.21. Phil DiGiuseppe was 6 minutes and 55 seconds. So it was pretty heavy usage for the overall forwards. Uh, Brock Besser up at 19 and a half minutes. JT Miller in that same range as well. Lindholm up at 20 minutes. Patterson at 19 minutes. It, it, it's, it's dispersed, but didn't really get the the depth guys into the game. No, and, you know, after uh, definitely in the third period, you noticed that it was a thir- three-line kind mm-hmm. of situation where DiGiuseppe didn't get really, I think he got one or two shifts in the in the third period, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing with Niels Oman, who was floating around sub six minutes for a while and ends up with getting 721, as you mentioned. But, you know, you're chasing a game, you're trying to get your big dogs going, and in a game like this where – even though it's the second of a back-to-back, you have Nate McKinnon on the opposite side. You know he's going to be eating a lot of ice, even late in the game, trying to get the insurance goal. So you want to roll with your big guys. Uh, the one area that uh, I was kind of, uh, you know, McKay have still got his, he's been in and around 15 minutes the last Yeah, he got 11.30. Uh, 
you got 11.30, which is, you know, fourth line, not quite DiGiuseppe and Oman minutes, but definitely took a hit there. Mm-hmm. The third line still getting their looks, and Arsene Bentz, you know, that was uh, a surprising one to me at 13.21. Yeah. Uh, I thought he played quite well, uh, set up Bluger and a couple of great opportunities, yeah. being aggressive on the forecheck. But the usage, yeah, they leaned heavily on the Stars uh, to try to get back into this game. And I can understand that when, you know, Nathan McKinnon's playing, what, 24 minutes, right? You want to make sure that if he's on the ice – uh, you try to lead with your big guys to get back into the game. And you you kind of mentioned uh, Baines and how he played. And I, I thought he really grew into the game. He took the penalty. He's he's dashed mm-hmm. two on the night, but I don't think we feels can like a any, bad luck dash two. 100%. Yeah. I don't think any of us can look at him doing anything wrong in the two goals against when he was on the ice. And it really wasn't on him in any way, shape, or form. But aggressive on the forecheck. He mentioned the chances. He set up Teddy Bluger for two pretty good scoring chances in this game. Yeah, the first one, it came off the forecheck as well, where you're engaged in a battle and ends up getting the puck. It's a a quick pass towards Teddy Bluger. Uh, But the second one, just good on Bluger to find that soft area. But, you know, in the AHL, 30 assists in 42 games for Arshdeep is, is, you know, that showed his playmaking skill. So when it comes to that third line, Dakota Joshua, we'll see what happens with him and when he's ready to go. But in the meantime, um, here's the thing, right? When Ilya Mikheyev is playing in that spot, he hasn't necessarily been able to give you much offense, but he is a player that's going to essentially neutralize, right? He's, he's a, he can skate. He's responsible defensively for the most part. He's a guy that you can generally trust. With Arsteep, it's a little bit different where he's got more offensive pop in his game. Uh, he's probably better playmaker. The question is, can he get there on the forecheck and defensively is he able to do the gig? And I, I think today was a, a good game for him. He gets that penalty. You can tell he's a little frustrated at that. But as the game went on, you saw that two-on-one opportunity with Brock Besser. There was a, a shot early on on Georgiev. I uh, just missed the net. So offensively, you can see it's there. It's just a matter of who of the options is going to help that, uh, that line create some ozone possession time. And I thought that line actually did pretty well in that regard compared to some of the uh, the situations we've seen with Mikheyev. Now, he just got to grow into it. Guys, remember, he hasn't had a practice with this team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been morning skates. It's been just, uh, you know, maybe meetings and whatnot. So he hasn't had official practice. I thought he had a, a pretty good game and something he can grow into over the next couple here, potentially. Well, on Mikheyev, as you mentioned, he ends up playing 11-30. Baines plays uh, 13-21. So there's the minute dispersal, right? He's ahead of Mikheyev in that spot. And you know, McCabe didn't help himself. You know, you mentioned he can be a neutralizer. You know, at, at his best, he suppresses, you know, offensive opportunities for the opposition. But today he created one with the turnover that leads to the yep. goal, right? And and now you, you just put yourself in a really bad spot. There's already calls and, you know, demands from fans saying, hey, this guy should be out of the lineup. And I was making the point earlier today that he, he hasn't necessarily hurt you in the defensive zone. Now he is, and, and I, I just wonder what the reality is for McKayev going into the next game on Thursday. Yeah, the ice time is one thing to watch, and, and that goal, that first Ryan Johansson goal, that, that's an opportunity where if you make the simple play and you get the puck out, you execute there. Uh, we're not talking about it, mm-hmm. but he makes up a cross-ice feed, gives away the puck, and it continues. And this is the thing, right? With Ilya McKayev, as I was mentioning, when he's at his best, of course he's scoring a little bit, but he's not giving up anything. He's a guy that's going to keep – you know, the opposition honest because he's aggressive on the forecheck. He's fast on through the neutral zone. And for the most part, he's responsible in his own. Now, if you can't really adjust to fourth line minutes and you're not feeling that confidence in your game, the question is, what are you? And he hasn't been able to really execute in the top six of late. He's got what, if I'm not mistaken, four assists in 2024. And predominantly, that has been in a top six role. 
in the bottom six, one of the things you're going to do is you're not going to necessarily maybe score all that much, but you're going to play at the very least. You want to be responsible defensively. You want to bring energy. And, you know, Mikheyev, I feel for him because his knee clearly is not to that same level. It takes a year to get ready, Sat. I know you've gone through the process and you've talked about that uh, quite a bit, but it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. And unfortunately for Ilya, he hasn't been able to, you know, bring the offense for sure. But today, I- I'm with you, Beck. I think this was a, not a good look for Ilya Mikheyev because he's supposed to be responsible defensively, and that giveaway leads to the 1-1 goal, and it's not a great look for a player that's generally trusted. One uh, positive thing I wanted to talk about a little bit here uh, before we let you go, Randeep, was uh, they did a really good job against uh, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Mikko Rantanen in that top line, and even Kale McCarr. Uh, they kept those guys in check. Uh, I know uh, McKinnon in the end ended up uh, picking up on assist, I believe it was, on the, on the empty net goal. Um, but outside of that, like... I. They had a scoring chance in the first, kept those guys in check. The one he got behind the defense, he got behind Noah Juleson. Demko made a great save on him. That's a really only great chance I can think that they had. A couple maybe on the power play, but that's, that is to be expected. But I thought they did a really good job keeping the top players on the avalanche in check here tonight. Yeah, you didn't really, and listen, it's, you know, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, so you notice them, uh, you keep an eye out for them because you expect them to do special things. But guys, even that game in November when they, ended up beating Vancouver 5-2. That had Kale McCarr's, you know, imprint all over the game. Nathan McKinnon was heavily involved. Um, today, I thought the Canucks, for the most part, yeah, there were some chances, no doubt, uh, that you're going to give up chances to Nathan McKinnon. But if you start looking at shot attempts, if you look at scoring chances, uh, it was pretty good. And I thought the Canucks did a pretty good job of, of limiting what, you know, the top players could do. And that's what you're going to have to do, right? Like, this is a, a situation where I think as the game went on, we started to see a little bit more of Pedersen, Lindholm, and Hoaglander, which started to take away maybe that puck possession from uh, a Nathan McKinnon line. But here's the challenge with Nathan McKinnon. Even though he doesn't necessarily, you know, burn you big time tonight, this is a tough matchup because he plays 24 minutes, guys. He's mm-hmm. like he's co- like Connor McDavid where he's going to be on the ice. shot tw- attempts. Yeah, and this is coming off a game where he had nine shots on goal against yeah. Arizona. So in a playoff series, it's going to be, whether it's Vancouver or another team, but this is, I think, a bit of a test for Vancouver on whoever they play. Over seven games, when a guy's hitting the ice 24, 25 minutes a game, it's not one line that's going to be able to shut him down. You're going to need uh, a multiple players leaning in and really winning, you know, bringing back the momentum to your side. So uh, we've been saying this a lot of, like, this is supposed to teach him for the playoffs. Uh, I think players like McDavid, McKinnon, when they're going and when they're leaning on heavily, playing 24 minutes in a game, yeah, you have to prepare yourself for that mentally because it takes a collective to to really clamp down on a player and a line like this. So good job tonight, but it's probably, a, you know, it's going to be a, a fair bit of this coming as we approach April. Yeah, it certainly will. Randeep, great stuff tonight. Calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. We look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when the Canucks wrap up this short road trip in Seattle against the Kraken. All right, boys. Cheers. Have a good night. You got it. That is Randeep Jenna. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Where are you at with this team? They've lost three games in a row. How concerned are you or do you feel 
fine about it. Uh, you know, for, for all the concern, Brendan from Burnaby texts in and says, this is progress. If we lose games like this, I'm fine with it because the effort and chances are there. Keep plugging along. Canucks face this adversity early on and see how the playoffs go. I think we all need to lower our expectations for the playoffs a bit, though. That's Brendan from Burnaby. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I agree with a lot of that, but once you trade a first round pick, people aren't going to lower, lower their expectations. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying it has to be cup or bust. It's not cup or bust. Like, if you don't win a Stanley Cup, it's it's like, hey, a failure of a season. That's not what it is. But I do agree that if you just if you lose in the first round, yeah. to me, that's not like, hey, happy to be there. That's a disappointment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say even winning one round is enough. Like, I think, to me, when you give up a first-round pick and you go in and you yeah. have this opportunity, I want to see you get to the Western Conference Final at least. Yeah, my, At my, the very my, least. I want to see that. But my, my own general philosophy is if you get to the third round – it's a successful season. Those four teams have had a good season because you don't know what you're going to look like in the in the third round, right? Yeah. Like how many injuries do you have at this, at that stage? And at at that point, you can get goalied, whatever it is. But if you can get to the third round, that's a successful season. But right now, that 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 to me is the the bare minimum when, when you go into a season where you trade your first round pick. Uh, certainly. Uh, you should have expectations like that. Uh, Richmond Augusto. Ronick was terrible. Myers playing with more urgency these last five games. Besser McKayev have been MIA as well. They need to wake up, earn their salaries. Uh, the Hronik decision on the Ooh. potential empty net. That one looms large over everything, yeah. right? Because we can talk about Hoaglander chance. He flubs it. Lindholm at the side of the net. You know, Gerard makes two incredible plays on that one. Georgiev makes that glove save. There were other net drive opportunities. Yeah. But the one, it's like, those are, you know, chaotic. But the one that was, like, the most obvious, the puck's on your stick. The goalie's down. Everyone's pivoting to face you. And, like, he, he essentially bought, like, what he did was, the, the reason it's the worst decision is because he bought enough time for the two Colorado Avalanche to attack him. And, and they essentially built a wall. Like, if you yeah. see the still when yeah. he loads up, there are two guys next next to each other. It's going to be impossible to get the puck through those guys. Yeah, he wasn't in perfect shooting position when the pass was given to him. So he is kind of yeah. turning his own body around. But also, it's like, it didn't need to be the perfect shot when no, the net yeah. is empty yeah and i mean usually i wouldn't be overly critical about those things but he hadn't and then when you see the guys coming out like that fake the shot like anyways anyways it it was it was the least efficient decision it felt like and uh hey man maybe he was just trying to like strike some fear into them and and get them to go low and he could go high but uh in in real time boy that looked like a massive mischance and and there were a lot of texts coming in about why are you doing the slap shot in that spot full full caps text coming to the inbox oh absolutely you you get a lot of that and and that's where i'm at i'm like you know couldn't probably could have loaded that done a bit differently but hey listen like we said five on five the canucks have had a lot of bounces go their way and at points you're not going to have bounces go your way Mm -hmm. it happens honestly like five on i don't have too many issues about their five on five play the last three games honestly i I don't have many issues with their five on five play some mistakes here and there sure but i actually like how they're trending with their five on five play overall my biggest issue comes back big to the power play if they were generating quality scoring chances, mm-hmm. had good pressure, and they weren't scoring, I'm like, you know what, guys? The Canucks have had so much puck luck. Right now, it's just not going in for them. It happens. Don't worry about it because they're doing everything right. They're just not getting bounces. But they're not giving themselves enough opportunities on the power play. And that's the main issue I have here. And when you're not able to open a team up, a PK up, you're not getting the seam passes, you're not, be able, you're not able to go cross ice, why keep playing the merry-go-round on the outside? Mm-hmm. Get some shots on goal. 
and, and they're not doing enough of that. There was a four-game stretch in November where they went over as well in the power play. Yeah. And Taga's point was, yeah, we like what we're seeing. The numbers aren't reflective. We'll, we'll, we'll eventually catch up. He mentioned about the PK as well. And then it, it turned it up, and it, it improved a bit there in December. But, yeah, they're coming back in that spot where the, the solutions just don't look like they're there internally with the way they're playing. So something's got to have to change. And you know, a lot of people have their their own thoughts. We got this uh, tweet from MJ uh, who, who's, you know, built it out himself. You know, Miller on the left half wall, Hughes Rister from the middle, Besser in the bumper, Pedersen back on the right half wall. Um, it, it just – people don't feel like they're in their optimized spots. I understand you want the movement, right? Yeah. And, and it, it can work because they're – intelligent players highly skilled players but like the 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 home base like where they start from to me is the issue let alone the entries which have been their own does you know bit of a disaster um the the starting spot to me just doesn't feel like they can get to their most optimal positions yeah no i'm with you on that and that's not a bad suggestion just get back to your normal positions and, and then take it from that point and like this text here says mckinnon mccarr always looked like they're going to attack the net on the power play comparatively we dust it off and sit back need to be more aggressive just watch i mean and i yeah. know they're different players and, and, and it's a bit unfair but quinn hughes has the ability to attack downhill you saw it he had a great chance and you know if you want to talk about puck luck some poor puck luck the win the faceoff on the power play opportunity they had and was it in the second period he attacks down the middle of the ice into the slot and wires a shot off the crossbar it doesn't go in right that was good but he can do more of that. You see McCarr mm-hmm. do more of those things. And we saw Quinn do more of that earlier in the season. He's very capable of it. They're also really good opening up the space for those guys to do it. Yes. Right? Like how much they, they get them in one one on one on one well, situation. They also just like let them skate back up in the zone and loop around to just generate their own speed. And you know, the, the Canucks don't have the same dynamic skaters like that no well they don't have a mckinnon yeah i, I thought jt was skating miles tonight he scored the goal for the canucks too great in the play. second period he was unbelievable yeah, i was i'll say in the first 40 he was really strong and then i hard. think he seemed like the, like the team kind of run yeah. out of gas a little bit in the third i mean playing on back-to-backs and everything at altitude we all knew it was going to be mm-hmm. a challenge in the third but i thought jt had another strong game he was really good against minnesota save you know the too many men and sorry the puck over the glass penalty the, the delay a game obviously but outside of that i thought he played well but uh, tonight scored the goal. Not enough for the Canucks as they drop 3-1 in Colorado against the Avalanche. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and you are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend, and they've got sports too. More coming up next on Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. As the Miller lines out for the offensive zone draw. But the avalanche control and Miko Rantanen's out to center. Try to pass middle of the ice, broken up by Miller, and it comes loose to Brock Besser. He'll leap for Heronic in the defensive zone. Now Hughes to center for Besser, across the Colorado line, right wing, Miller in alone, he scores! What a passing play, and JT Miller finishes it off, fresh off his third career hat-trick against the Wild. He gives the Canucks a 1-0 lead with his 28th of the season. And this was silky smooth from the Vancouver Canucks. Starts in their own zone, Philip Heronic. 
Hits Quinn Hughes with a pass, who ends up finding Brock Besser through the middle of the ice and just a nice touch pass to JT Miller, who comes down the right-hand side and goes glove side on Georgiev, but perfectly timed to make sure Miller wasn't offside to make this one nothing Vancouver. JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes make up the play of the game, gave the Canucks the one nothing lead. Look good at that point, but ultimately lose 3-1 in Colorado against the Avalanche. But that is your play of the game here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network, Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. And on that play, you know, Quinn Hughes, you know, makes the pass to Brock, but he feathers a beautiful pass to JT Miller. And we know JT can finish when he's on top of his game. Six goals in his last six games and uh, on pace to crush his uh, career high in goals, which he set last season, Bick, at this stage. So we know his tremendous season continues, but it was also uh, a, a juxtaposition to... Nathan McKinnon, who earlier in the period had a similar chance, Thatcher Demko made the save. Mm-hmm. JT Miller gets his chance, and he scores to give the Canucks the 1-0 lead. Unfortunately, though, for the Canucks, that's as close as they came to winning this game. Yeah, good play on that whole sequence there. Yeah. Um, you know, Besser popping into the hole on the zone entry, taking the pass from Quinn Hughes, and then the wherewithal to just draw the defender with mm-hmm. him, chip it into space there for uh, Miller to come on to, and, and full head of steam. And JT continues his uh, goal-scoring prowess, as you mentioned, uh, well on track to uh, beat his career high in goals, which uh, 32 in back-to-back years, sitting at 28 now after game 58 for JT. Yeah, 24 games to go on the season, too. 75 points for JT Miller. Not bad. Not bad. I think it's pretty good, if you ask me. Game 58. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's yeah. pretty crazy. We are going to get to the phone boards coming up in, in a moment. 604-280-0650. But a lot of reaction on the text inbox pick. 650-650. Uh, let's hit some of these here. Uh, uh, the, uh, this one here says, shoot the puck. I think that's pretty succinct <laughs> and, and, and simple. Uh, and this one says, Besser should watch Ovi shoot the puck. Like he's over there in the rock star zone and never rips the puck. Get it shooting. Uh, Brock Besser today ends up taking one shot attempt. It was yeah. on goal. You can do but, better. But one shot attempt. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of a in-between night in the text inbox. Either it's a all-cap, shoot the puck with, with 17 exclamation points, or it's like paragraphs coming in. <laughs> uh, Steve from White Rock. So what was our record again with the lotto line together? Like 9-1-1? One, and one? The whole depth thing really stops us from getting the most out of Pedersen, and if Suter is good enough for this first line, then he should be good enough to play with Lindholm and Hoaglander on the second. I'll never stop preaching to stack the first line when when they dominate like they do. I'm truly shocked that with four losses in the last seven games, they still refuse to play them. That is Steve from White Rock wanting to see the lotto line back together. And, and Juggy says something similar. I get being conservative and rolling four lines, but why doesn't talk load up his top players more when they're down a goal? And that's what Juggy texts. And, and I don't disagree. Well, they didn't really roll four lines tonight. No, they didn't. Tony they Giuseppe went, plays 655. They, they shortened the bench. Yeah, the Nils Oman at 721, and yeah. Mikheyev gets 1130. Yeah, so they shortened things up a little bit, and it was pretty obvious in the third. But I don't disagree necessarily. At times, can you be a bit more aggressive with some of your deployment? I don't disagree. Uh, and I think we have some other thoughts on that, too, which we'll get coming up in a bit here on the text inbox. Plus, we'll hear from the head coach, Rick Tockett, in a few minutes as well. But let's hit the phone boards before we do that. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And let's go to Delta, where we have uh, G on the line. G, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? 
Good evening. Uh, decent game, in my opinion. No reason to panic. Mm-hmm. It is good for them to get all this losing out of their system. Better to lose three or more consecutively now than in the playoffs. Now, I'm going to go off topic, and I will be very brief. It is regarding the abs, which look like the current favorites to win it all. So, Gabriel Landeskog has not played since they won the Stanley Cup almost two years ago. Why on earth is Nathan McKinnon not the captain? I am aware there is a small hope that Landeskog will return in the playoffs this year. But let's be real. It is going to take a long time for him to readjust. He has not played with over half the guys they have right now. And besides, isn't it time to just let the inevitable happen? Pass the torch to the current leader, the real leader, similar to when Kings transitioned from Brown to Kopitar or Sharks from Thornton to Pavelski. McKinnon is arguably the best player in the NHL after McDavid. I think delaying his captaincy is disrespectful. Uh, hey, thanks for the phone call. G and Delta fired up about the Avs and uh, how they need to name Nathan McKinnon captain. Planting that uh, seed of distress in the <laughs> Avs locker room bright I and s- early. I see you working, G. Yeah. It's going to make this a talking point if the Canucks meet the Avalanche at some yeah. point in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Seashelt, where Glenn is on the line. Glenn, thanks for calling yeah. in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Mine? Yes. I, I, I just say, the power play's not working. Mm-hmm. At 24 chances and one goal. Why don't they just instead, for the power play, put the JT Miller lineup out there exactly the way it is? normally plays five on five and then the second power play goal is the Pedersen line exactly the way they're formed and leave Quinn Hughes and Heronic on there for two minutes yeah hey Glenn uh, thanks for the phone call so uh, you know do we get to a point where having two D-men makes sense if you're not shooting the puck if you're not shooting the puck right and I, we push back on the idea of Heronic and Hughes together on the power play. But at least Heronic is going to shoot it's it. It's not regularly done. Yeah, he's going to shoot it in his own way. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not regularly done across the league. But clearly right now, something's got to change. Yeah. So in the short term, there, there are no bad ideas right now. There, there aren't, honestly. I mean, they're 1 for 23. Yeah. And it looked listless again yeah. today. 1 for 24? 24. 24. 1 for 24. Yeah, you're right. 24. Yeah. Uh, they got a second power play opportunity yeah. in the game. Yeah, 1 for 24. So... You want to try that out for three games just because you know there's going to be shots going through? Yeah. The, the thing is, is, okay, well, then who are the, the, the other three guys? What forward are you taking out? Oh, boy. Because now, because if you want more shots from the point, right. you probably need more net front traffic. I mean, people were texting and say Pedersen. I know this one person uh, who's, who's, who's just texting and lighting up Pedersen is going to say Pedersen, yeah. but. It's, is he not kind of the guy? Are you taking JT out? No, I mean, Lindholm. I mean, he scored the most goals on the power play recently. He had two I, goals. I know. But, I mean, and he's early. done it off deflections. Yeah. yeah. It, it's probably Besser. But yeah. he's also done fantastic work with screens. He has. In net front, he's been good. You know. I, I just think it's really puzzling to take, like, which one are you taking out? Because each guy, you would have a claim. You're like, oh, okay, it, it makes sense. You could take, you know, maybe JT doesn't fit on that with 2D man. Maybe yeah. it's a, uh, Lindholm. Maybe it's Pedersen. There's reasons you could manufacture to take out any one of those four forwards, but you're taking out one of those four forwards to to bring in uh, Philip Pronick. It made sense, you know, because Manko wasn't playing well, wasn't earning his ice time. So why give the reward of of power play? The, the other guys at five on five, they're playing well. Yeah, no, they are. Uh, I think. I mean, again, like the JT line t- today, I thought five on five was terrific. I mean, 
if you just look at the fancy stats as well, um, they had they controlled the shots, 83% of the shots, only two shots against when they were on the ice as a trio tonight, five on five on five. Yeah. They had three nothing scoring chances, high danger scoring chances, four and against, and they scored the goal, obviously, right? I mean, I thought they were terrific. In a game that was also pretty low event, five on five, like I thought the Canucks, again, played really well. The team game, five on five, was really strong. The Pedersen line, that's the line that I think we we can expect a bit more out of, and, and that's still a, a work in progress. And I thought defensively, they're the ones that got worked a little bit tonight at times compared to the other lines. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, I lost the text. I want to talk about the speed, but I, I, I just lost it here. Um, I'll read this one. Peter Puck from Peoria. Uh, top six needs the overhaul. Aside from the trade, move Besser with PD and Hoaglander. Grant playmaking and a goal scorer. Move Lindholm with Miller and fill in the blank. That is Peter Puck from Peoria. Uh, Dale says, love the show. Canucks need Susie back. Uh, this allows proper slotting of uh, the D-man. When does he return? So the expected timeline was basically right up until the trade deadline, uh, March 8th. So we're still about uh, a week and a half away uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. So uh, a ways away still, but uh, it is creeping up pretty closely too. So next thing you know, trade deadline will be upon us, and we'll see if the Canucks do anything else in that regard as well. All right, we're, we're, we are going to get back to more of your text messages and thoughts coming up in a moment, but let's hear from the Canucks head coach. Canucks lose 3-1 in Colorado against the Avalanche, and here is Rick Talk at post-game meeting with the media. Overall effort and the discipline that your group showed for the most part? Yeah, I thought we played a good game. We had a bunch of chances just to put them in. It was a well-played game. How about the way you contained, particularly McKinnon's line and the defensive effort? Yeah, did a nice job against them. McCarr, you know, those guys are special players. I thought we did a really nice job against them. So, yeah, it was a hard It's one of those things that we just couldn't score to get the, the equalizer. I asked Quinn about the power play, and he said you've just got to stick with it. Are you of that mentality, or do you try to, to make some adjustments? Well, I mean, the, well, the adjustments, you got to, you know, we got to we got to start to defer and shoot some puck. Instead of defer and shoot the puck, be a little more decisive. Um, you know, get some pucks in the net. I don't think we're getting the pucks in the net. But we got to make sure we start getting pucks in the net. We talked about pregame about how you want to see how your team handled adversity. I mean, I know the result wasn't what you wanted, but are you happy with the way they? Yeah, I, I thought I thought we played a good game. Yeah, I thought we deserved better, but uh, they made the plays at the end. You're happy with the chances generated in the third, though. You guys were all around the net. Yeah, we had two empty net shots. I mean, yeah, I was happy with it. Yeah, it just sucks getting that penalty at the end. It was kind of a that would suck. I thought we were coming, and uh, I'm not sure that was a good penalty. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. And maybe as critical as you heard, and when it comes to officials, I'm not sure that was a good penalty. And you could see him on the bench, and, and he's referring to the Ross Colton, uh, pe- uh, who drew the uh, hooking call on, on Ian Cole. Ian Cole. Yeah. It's a clear dive. And you can see Rick Tockett on the bench say it's a dive and shake his head and say it to the officials. Uh, that's the first time. And so of all of all the things that have happened mm-hmm. over the past few games, and Rick Tockett's come post game, and he's... You know, been the diplomat, hasn't criticized the officials, criticized his own players for taking stupid penalties. Those are his words yesterday. Don't not controlling your stick. It's the Ross Colton dive that sent yeah. him over the top. That's as critical as we've heard the head coach and be. I'm not sure that's a penalty. Like, he hasn't said that. It didn't qualify it with, no. uh, if I work for TNT, I would say no, something no. different. It, yeah. was, it was straight up. Straight uh, up. Not sure if that's a penalty. 
Mr. Wow, and he's like, and he, yeah, he, he said, you know, we, we he essentially, you know, we were coming on and yeah. they were creating scoring chances. He felt like if they don't get that penalty called against them, maybe they score the goal there. He's happy with how they played. Um, he thought they, I mean, they had opportunities again, right? And but on the power play, also mentions you got to get shots, mm-hmm. you got to create something, and you can't, you got to help yourself. And they haven't done that on the man advantage. But interesting that uh, even he, like the Pedersen net drive on, on the on the power play, like even he took a bit of a a beat to drag that one towards the blue paint. Yeah, and you know, does it give penalty killers an opportunity to pivot themselves and keep. Uh, the next man in uh preventing them to get into the, the the good space so yeah just like all the texters have been saying shoot the puck create a bit more urgency on that and uh too much uh deferential uh treatment on the power play right now yeah um and and i think the players they have are good enough but it's not as simple as saying they have enough talent and they'll figure it out i mean Look, there's talented power players across the league that that have their own struggles right now. Look obviously. at the Colorado. Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. I mean, they have Malkin. They have Sidney Crosby. They had Gensel before he was injured, plus Carlson, plus Latang, and it's been like what the worst PK power play in the National Hockey League this year. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not as easy as hey, you have talent, you'll figure it out. But we do know what a good power play with these guys looks like. Lindholm obviously is, is a new addition. They're trying to figure that out. But I would still be surprised if, if they don't figure something out here on the man advantage, but it looks like they've lost some, some confidence on it. Some mojo. Yes. But yeah. It, it, it's going to, it's it'll still hover around top 10. Uh, they, they might sneak below uh, Detroit now, uh, pending what Detroit did this uh, Detroit plan today. Uh, yeah. They'll, they'll drop below Detroit now. So they'll go below uh, top 10, but clearly like they, they've got the ability to hang in, in the top five, but it just looks like such a struggle right now to generate anything of, of frequency. Yeah, that that gives you confidence that the, the the good goals are coming because the chances the good chances aren't even really there right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you on it. So that's where the power plays at. Um, this text says this is a concerning trend. The level of organized urgency just is not there the last five games, and it starts with our power play entries and even five on five play. I'm not quite as sh- quite sure I agree as much on their five on five play. Not that it's been perfect; they've had some moments, but I 100% agree when it comes to the lack of urgency uh, on the power play. And interesting, I, I just I just love it. the uniform like. It's unanimous right now what people want to see on the on, on the power play. Just just trying to see the general text. Yeah, shoot the puck more. Well, it, it just put Miller on one side, Patterson yeah. on the other side, Besser and Lindholm down the middle, and he was up top. Yeah, just like it, it's almost verbatim every yeah. single text coming just in. Just right get now. back to doing that and, and keep it simple. Keep it keep that simple. Josh texts in and says, if the Canucks hadn't lost their last two games, no one would be complaining about tonight's game. If they play like tonight, most times they'll win. The schedule was tough. I'm still confident in this team. I mean, mm-hmm. there are po- positives. And I saw uh, some people try to make the point that, uh, on the text inbox even last night saying, hey, even against Minnesota, it was really an 8-7 game. They still fought back at the very end sure, and yeah, they gave up yeah, the two empty yeah. net goals. It wasn't like they, you know, completely, you know, fell apart and went away. They still fought back. So like it was in. 7-2 and they yeah, came all the way back. You know, yeah. So but 
so there are there have been good things like they've battled they've done a lot of positive things like i'm not setting off the alarm bells like again my biggest issue comes mm-hmm. down to the power play and we've talked about it about it quite a bit right now but i don't get the sense watching these three games like oh the canucks can't play against these teams i know there are people texting in and saying uh you're idiots if you think well, that this team is good and everything or would they you know that they can't hang with these teams there is a swell of texts just coming in um th- throughout the course of the post game here just Look, they're fraudulent. They're not a first-place team carried by a goal or mm. easy 40-game schedule. That one's from Brody. But there's a lot of sentiment that it's like, yeah, they're not a first-place team. We've been rather consistent about this, that the standings aren't reflective of like, the actual ratings. Yeah. To me, they're, they're somewhere in the range between 3 to 9, right? Your, your mileage may vary on where you feel like they are in that spectrum, but they're, they're somewhere in that group to me. Um they they've trended higher for me. It's probably higher than than five, maybe. Yeah. But like the, the they're in a group. It just right now they're not winning. And, they're not. And, and so it looks like there's a huge gap between them and say. I mean, we, we can just say Winnipeg, right? <laughs> like Winnipeg just beat them the other day. But I I don't, I don't know. If there's a huge difference between them and 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 the Winnipeg Jets and them and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. They're, yeah. they're all just kind of clustered right now. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And this text says, I love how you guys are such homers and stay positive. You guys refuse to say it how it is. There's a lot of losing coming up. Vegas twice, Boston, Winnipeg twice, LA three times. Uh, this team is in luck if it wins five of its remaining games. You should be lighting up <laughs> Pedersen, stop being homers. I'm going to give you another homer take here. Um, <laughs> because honestly, watching this game, yeah. I'm more confident about how the Canucks can stack up with Colorado watching this game than I was the last time I saw these two teams play. They're, they came off a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. They should be fatigued. They could have easily tied tied this game up. Like they were right in this game. I thought they played a good game, honestly. Like I get what the coach what is saying post game. Like I I th- I think. I feel better about their chances against Colorado than I felt heading into this game after this game. Honestly, like you lost, sure, but mm-hmm. I didn't take it as oh, this was a loss. They couldn't hang with them. What's the hardest thing to do in the world against this team? Sh- slow down McCarr, McKinnon, and Rantanen. They didn't do anything. Nothing. You take care of business on the power play or scoring th- into an empty net is a different discussion. And maybe we come out talking about, man, maybe mm-hmm. this Canucks team can, can hang with these guys. That's how fine the margins were. And I'm not doing the fine lines thing here. All I'm saying is I don't come away watching them play Colorado today and be like, oh, my God, Canucks can't play against Colorado. That's not, that's not how I feel. A McKay of giveaway leads to the one goal, and then the one just goes off Cole's elbow. Yeah. Bicep, whatever it is. The jersey kind of fluttered there. Uh, and and sneaks past Demko, must have changed directions on him. It was it was hard to tell on the replay there how much it changed directions, but uh, clearly fooling Demko on that goal. Yeah, it, it's I, I know it's it's probably dispiriting to hear at times. Like they just lost three in a row. What are you talking about? Can they do this? But at the same time, like I, five on five, that's kind of the stuff I want to see. But you have to a bury the chances, but. You see how easy it can look at times for McKinnon and McCarr mm-hmm. to just generate something, and, yes. and McKinnon in particular. And this is the thing people want to see. It's like when it gets a bit stale, who's going to be there to change the structure of a game? Like who 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 just takes it upon themselves to create something? And I, I don't know. Like Miller yesterday with that goal, from time to time, I understand why fans just want to see something like just go at someone. Yeah. Attack. Just, just go at the D-man and see if he can defend you. 
and, and listen, I, I don't disagree on people saying Patterson stepping up. Like to me, like mm-hmm. again, like multiple things can be true, and I don't want to use the same thing again. And and it's about context. The sadisms are coming out. They are coming out. I'm going to drop a bunch of them in a row here. But there's, I do think that. You can be critical of Pedersen's game in terms of why there's another gear. Mm-hmm. He's clear, clearly clearly not hitting that gear. The top players against the best teams were, will more often bring that gear up. Now, Pedersen has fared well against some of the top teams, but recent games, the past few now against top teams, he hasn't had his best game. I think that's fair to say, right? What I push back against is this notion that he's having a bad year mm-hmm. when you look at the numbers. Or that he produced, can't do it against. Or he can't do year. it against. Those are the things I push, push back against. However, it is not unfair to ask more from Pedersen in big games. And I do think it's fair, looking at this current last little stretch here against the top teams, and you saw Shifley, Connor, uh, Villardi, they dominated, right? You saw against Minnesota, Kaprizov with Joel Eriksson and Matt Boldy were dominating. You saw Besser and JT Miller dominate today together, right, with, with Pew Suter. You want to see Pedersen bring that. Mm-hmm. And then we haven't seen it enough in recent games, and, and I think it's fair to, to demand and ask for that. Uh, Besser, um, yeah, the, the one-shot attempt, Miller. I, I, I just feel like there, there's, there's a killer instinct missing on that line with Suter and Besser there. Yeah. That's my worry. I, do, I don't disagree. I, I think that... Phil Kessel, baby. One shot pony. He can do it. <laughs> we are getting the Phil Kessel text. Oh boy, are we ever. We yeah. are getting the Phil Kessel text. Um, uh, like this one here says, they don't uh, have enough finishers on the power play. It's Kessel time. I also don't know what, what talk preaches to their five all-stars on power play one, but they just stop moving their feet as soon as they're on mm-hmm. the man advantage. Kevin from Burnaby texting that. And did you read that earlier? I don't think you did. No, I don't know if okay. I did. Yeah, all right. If you did, I apologize. Wanted to get that one in. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's take a phone call right now before we hit the break, and let's go to Melbourne where we have Patrick on the line. Patrick, thanks for calling in, my friend. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm sweating like a pig today, boys. That's how I'm going, but other than that, uh, doing all right. Thanks. How are you guys going? We're doing great, Excellent. man. Thank you. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Well, just a couple of really quick things. Number one, people on social media really need to just think back even a year and realize that this three-game losing streak that we're going through right now is not the end of the world. It'd be really interesting to find out how many three-game losing streaks we had last year. So let's just yeah take it back just a bit here, guys. So my big question here for you guys, and I think somebody else may have already touched it in the last couple of minutes while I was listening, but, um, you know, we've played nine games in 15 days. I mean, seriously, is that not something that we've got to consider here? No, absolutely. I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think that certainly plays a part into some of their lapses probably. Yeah, we don't have a break, like even a two-day break until after the Boston game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like one right after the other. I think once we get into March, then, you know, happy days and we can relax and watch Edmonton, you know, play their, you know, games every second night and hopefully watch them uh, tumble down the ladder a bit. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Patrick, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Uh, and and uh, stay, 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 stay cool. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a good one. To answer your question, Patrick, as well, if you're still listening on the stream. I'm sure uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's jumping back on to listen to the answer um, right now. Last season, they had seven uh, three game losing streaks, seven, including a, a seven gamer. 
So so if you yeah. want to include that one as two, because there's two three-game losing streaks in there, you can say eight. But, yeah, it, it, it's the first one this year. They're still first place. But you're at a spot right now where, where things are starting to ramp up and – the results haven't been there here recently. No, they haven't. And, and to his point about how many games they've played, like they are th- th- in the midst of their the remaining parts, the remnants of the tough part of their schedule, which is almost over. One, mm-hmm. And he's right. Once you get to Boston, there's a two-day break. And from that point on, the Canucks don't have a back-to-back until April, the end of the season. So for the next six weeks, there are no back-to-backs. There are a bunch of two-day breaks, a few three-day breaks. I think a four-day break as well. And then it's a game every other day other, other day, pretty much. And you're staying in the same time same time zone. Yeah, it's the, a big one. Yeah. They're not going out of the, West, the Pacific time zone until they go to Winnipeg for the last game. Or unless you count going to Arizona for a game as getting out the time zone a little bit. But outside of that, they're, they're all staying in the West. It's going to be a lot easier for them uh, in terms of travel. Lots of home games coming up. So it's been a tough schedule. And get through this and then make hay the end of the season here. You hope that they would do. And, and he's also right about Edmonton. They're going to have a hellacious schedule. Same with LA. Same with some of these teams that haven't played as many games as Vancouver has. Uh, 650-650. Bungalow Jim, maybe I'm overreacting. Are the Canucks pretenders? Most of the games against contenders, losses, Vegas, Boston, Winnipeg, Avs, all losses. Uh, tonight wasn't a terrible performance like the other games I mentioned, but it's concerning how we keep losing to top teams to feast on the rest. So they'll go to 10-6-2 now against the uh, next best 10 teams. But people are going to say, have you won the ones that uh, – Against Boston, mm-hmm. Colorado, Vegas, yeah, uh, and and yeah, they, those ones they have not. But no. they've they beat Florida twice, beat the Rangers, beat Dallas, uh, beat Carolina twice, and obviously Edmonton three times, and they beat Toronto once. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you know people will say they they beat Edmonton early in the season mm-hmm. and Florida a, and yeah. Edmonton's a different animal and Florida since then has been reinforced on the back end and they are playing even better all fair points um and, and I do think when we see the Canucks play these teams again it might be a different story like again like I I don't come away watching this game saying the Canucks can't hang with the Colorado Avalanche keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 we'll hear more from Canucks players post game after a 3-1 loss in Colorado against the Avalanche, plus more of your thoughts and our breakdowns of what happened in Colorado. This is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up next on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Patterson, left corner, cutting behind the Colorado net, near side, wraparound chance, loose to the crease, Georgiev trying to hold it out, where's the puck? Still side of the goal, pinballing around in skates, Canucks trying to dig it home, Georgiev trying to hold it out of the goal line, where is it? They're still digging away at it, it's still loose, now comes into the slot, Herodic shoots, stopped by Georgiev, how did he make that save? Georgiev was sitting on his rear end in the crease. Heronik teed it up from the middle of the ice, and somehow the Colorado goaltender held it out, and the Avalanche clear it down. This is not textbook goaltending, but somehow he's making the saves. Slap shot by Heronik, denied by Georgiev. Georgiev comes up big. Huge saves late in the third period, and then some good fortune as well. Canucks lose 3-1 
in Colorado against the Avalanche. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. You can call in 604-280-0650 or send in your thoughts on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And Ryan Johansson scores two goals for the Colorado Avalanche, gets the game winner as well. Um, the local boy came up big uh, for his abs, and he's had a bit of a rough goal the last little bit. Hasn't played mm-hmm. his best hockey, so, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe playing the team he grew up watching as a child and gave him some extra motivation today. Two goals. Yeah. That's some good, I mean, some good bounces, right? One, you know, Off deflects the in, yeah. one backboard, and it gets in. But Johnny on the spot and gets two tallies, including the game winner. Got to be there. Yeah. Got to be there. Uh, all right. Should we get into the inbox? Yes. Uh, go to the text inbox. Boy, it's uh, fired up here. Okay. Uh, this one. Um, so we're talking about someone to take the game kind of by the scruff of the yes, neck. Yes, yes. And, and look, are, are they equipped to do it? Probably not, but this text comes in. I think they're coached not to take the defenders in a way that will lead to a rush going back, either taking a shot that can bounce back the other way or taking the defender one-on-one. They always try to maintain possession and play possession game, cycling the puck down low. They definitely try to make, I don't say things harder on themselves. On the power play? No, just in general. Like it, we We're just talking about you know how easy the, the McKinnons of the world. Actually, right, honestly, yeah. last night, like Matt Boldy's speed impacted the game. Yeah. Right? Like he sneaks in behind, he's wide, he, he, he creates that way. The Canucks don't really have that. Now, that, that's what that text. And, yeah, they, they, they tend to play the, the harder style game, which is at times we've said, hey, as much as the, the shooting percentage is at high, that style is what's going to translate into the playoffs. There's some teams that play very much transition, like Philly. They're trying to pounce on turnovers, play fast, and just try to create off the rush. Seattle last year, that was effective for them. Yeah. The, the Canucks, by design and by personnel, are deliberately trying not to do that. Mm-hmm. Does it limit your opportunities and, and less goal-scoring chances? Yeah. But to me, it's it's what's going to be effective come playoff time. It's more effective. Yeah, you're not going to be able to create much off the rush in yeah. the postseason, especially as you get deeper, if you are fortunate enough to get deeper into the postseason. So playing that down-low game is really what you're going to have to do in the postseason more than anything as well. But I, I, I imagine therein lies the frustration at times of yeah. saying, like, oh, just go at a guy. First of all, I don't think they're very well equipped to do that. Yeah, but almost it, by design, they they deliberately try not to. No, on the power play, I would like to see them on attack the power a bit play, more. Different story. Yes. Five on five. Yeah, I get it. Uh, this text: uh, Do we even make the playoffs? Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> Um, uh, Frank and Anaimo text in and says, uh, the slide has begun. Boston four straight. Vegas will catch us. We'll play Edmonton in the first round, and Edmonton will get their revenge out in the first round. We slayed the dragon, but haven't beat the curse. You guys get too excited. That's Frank from Nanaimo. In uh, this text from Ben, a.k.a. at Cheap Brunch, or boy Cheap Brunch texting in, uh, O-L-O-L at the guy who said you're afraid to tell like it is. I'm tired of the chicken little fans. Canucks have been in, in, the most, in most of these games uh, that they lost. PD is top five in scoring. We have three plus 30 goal scorers, a good D, a Vesna caliber goaltender. Stop trying to be guarded about this team's success. Enjoy it. The bending era is long gone. Stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. This team is well built, and this year is a lot of fun. Stop being afraid of fun. That's Ben texting in. I agree with a lot of what Ben is saying. Calling him out. Yeah, calling I mean, him out. I, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as calling people Chicken Little or whatever, but I'm, you know, I'm at saying cheap I, brunch. I, I at cheap brunch. I there totally agree though about being afraid of having fun. Now, I'm sure some are saying it's not about having fun. I just don't believe. Sure. Like, you know, everyone, you're entitled to believe it or whatnot. But I do think there's still this lingering 
PTSD. PBSD. We've PBSD, yeah. yes. From the previous era, and it's been a lot of losing over the years, and you're used to having an existential crisis every time something goes wrong with the team, and I just don't think we're there or should be there. So I agree with a lot of what Ben is saying. Uh, 650, I was going to make a dumb analogy. I won't do it. Uh, well, you're, no, it, it's fine. Um, is, it, is it even dumb for your standards? It, it, was, it was not fleshed out. I was like oh, okay. halfway, and I was like, you know what? I'll just read a text from Bryce uh, in the <laughs> inbox here. 650, 650. From, uh, I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, Munster, Saskatchewan? Munster, Saskatchewan? Munster, I think, yeah. All right. Uh, all in all, took the L tonight, but like the forecheck tonight and the hustle, good pressure and good scoring chances. Power play just looks slow. They got to move. Bad stripes again. Enjoy listening to y'all. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to make it too much about the officiating, uh, even though Taka just mentioned the last one. Yeah, I, I did think there was something. I mean, the, the really odd one, and a lot of people have texted in about is when Makar was going at Arsteep Baines yeah. along the wall and the puck wasn't even there. Yeah. And he's like, slash, slash, cross check, cross check, slash, slash. And the puck wasn't there. It wasn't there, yeah. I don't know why they didn't call that. There yeah. was clear interference on Lindholm uh, b- before. Yeah. Um, on an earlier shift as well. There were a lot of moments where I think they didn't call it, then they called a couple weak ones. So I get it. I understand mm-hmm. the frustration. Uh, this is the one I was looking for earlier, OP from Fleetwood. Do, okay. Do you think the Canucks are lacking a first line? Seems like our lines are balanced, but easily matched up against, and we don't have the one to throw when we need a goal. I don't disagree. Uh, until Pedersen, until Pedersen can find that chemistry with Lindholm, mm-hmm. or they get even back to the lotto line, I think that's legitimate because right now we're not quite sure. And again, tonight the best line in the game was a JT Miller best mm-hmm. line. So tonight there certainly was a top line, but I do agree with the sentiment. There's been many games recently where they're getting some decent play, mm-hmm. but they don't have a, a first line establishing themselves right now. Yeah, I, I just the like the Lindholm chemistry. The last two games to me hasn't felt like it's been there. Yeah, and that's going to take time. Again, like yeah. the reason they went out and got Lindholm early was to work through these things mm-hmm. and have ample time before the playoffs. But we discussed him quite a bit. I just feel like the version of Elias Lindholm is like the version I expected. Yeah. And do you need one more natural top six player in there? Because it's it's Hoaglander who's promoted and scoring, and it's Suter who's probably promoted in there. And you know, that line has had its moments, but... Ideally speaking, both those guys probably aren't in your top six. Yeah, in in, in a perfect world, it, it's it's maybe one of those guys. But with, with Mikheyev going down as well right now and fully deserved, it's just the 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 overall impact isn't really there in that top six. Yeah, no, it, uh, I don't disagree. Like I, I think that's something that has to still be developed, and I and I think it can get developed. It's just you have to get there. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in through a text inbox. Sabres Rob says, Canucks played well. Baines should replace Suter on the Miller line. Despite losing, they righted the ship. And Arshdeep Baines getting a lot of love. Traditional mm-hmm. Souk says, uh, my Punjabi bias aside, it's impressive that Tockett has put a rookie into a game against the Avs on the road without a team practice, and they played him 13-21. Tockett likes Baines. That's traditional Souk texting it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, with with, with Mikheyev, too, like, that's why we're pointing out the, the, the Baines time because McKayev just the other day um, was on the ice uh, a great deal against Minnesota. It was 15 and a half minutes, and he goes down to 11 and change today, 11 and a half, and there's Archie Baines who was active, 
right? You're running on adrenaline, I imagine. First NHL game against a recent Stanley Cup champion. And he was creating opportunities for Teddy Bluger. Was confident to take a shot as well on an opportunity where he comes off the wall and nearly caught uh, Gorgiev by surprise. And, and he had to fight it off with his blocker. The one, you know, the, the two-on-one, should he shoot? Yeah, he probably should be a rookie with Brock Besser coming down with your wing with you. Uh, are you more likely to defer in that spot? Probably. But, you know, for, for a debut, man, tough environment to go in back-to-back in, in Colorado. That was really encouraging for Marsh Deepings. It was. It, it really was. Now, first games, you play with the right, right, right attitude. You have adrenaline. You can play a good game. It's about sustaining it. But I think he played well enough that you want him back in next game. Mm-hmm. With that line? Yeah. Uh, do I mind? You know what? Start him with that line again. Yeah. Uh, he He's a rookie first game. Just keep it simple for him. But I think he did more than enough to stay in the lineup against Seattle. Now, could we see Lafferty come in for Oman or mm-hmm. uh, PDG tonight for the game in Seattle? That I, that could happen. I was talking about this earlier on my show. Um, but is it Lafferty? Is it PDG that goes out? You do notice the lack of speed when Lafferty's not in there. Yeah, you do. In the bottom, I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons they didn't play a ton. Yeah, it, it just like it, it's really evident. Yeah, that that when it, it has to be driven by PDG or Oman. It's not quite the same. No, you, Oman's can skate well, but you're not getting in on the forecheck as, as easily. Yeah. And that's the thing. As as much as like Lafferty hasn't produced here in a recent stretch, it's really dried up from the beginning of the season. He's had a fantastic year, and trade was worth doing. But because he hasn't produced, it, it, it's okay, he's the one that goes out. I just look at it, though. It's probably Oman or PDG that should be out naturally. Yeah, and and I'd say PDG at this stage because the lack of speed, and I thought it was a factor tonight Mm -hmm. against Colorado. But, you know, to that point about speed, McKayev's on that line and not providing it as much as he should. Now, I thought tonight there were some moments he got in on the forecheck and did some good things. But to your point, he has a turnover, which leads to the tying goal 1-1 in their own zone. Just a killer. Just a killer turnover. Um, You don't make that, you know, who knows how the game goes, or at least you're not getting scored on that shift, or at least not in the way you got scored on. So, could he even be a guy that comes out? It wouldn't shock me. Like I do think, I, I, Bick, I wouldn't. Rotation should happen by by Thursday. One of those three guys should probably come out. So, so my, um, okay, let me phrase this. I wouldn't be surprised if the coach told a few guys to be on notice for the game tonight right. coming into it, where it's, where it's like Lafferty and whomever else. Maybe McKeever was one of those guys where it was like uh, Baines is coming in. He's coming in for one of you guys. Be prepared. Be prepared and, and you see what happens. Did Mikheyev do enough to, if if he, let's just say, let's for argument's sake, he was on notice for the game. Did he do enough to stay in the game for the next one? Well, of those three candidates between PDG, Oman, and Mikheyev, who showed themselves in the most negative way? Yeah. Celia Mikheyev. And I, I get it. It's six minutes, 55 seconds for PDG, 721 for Nils Oman. So not a lot of chances, but... For for me, it, it was like the, that giveaway was the opening to get back into the game for the Avs. Yeah. And you put your teammates in a bad spot in that spot. Yeah. And you just have to complete that pass. You do. You do. And uh, I think for those guys, we'll see who comes out if Lafferty comes back in. But we mentioned Arshdeep Baines. Acquitted himself very well in his first game. He was a dash two on the night, took a penalty. 
mm-hmm. I, as we outlined earlier, either of the goals, I don't know. Well, he's he's on the ice for for that McKayev giveaway. Yeah, and, but it's not his his yeah. fault for the giveaway, and uh, and then the Rigel one that goes off the elbow. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's not it's not on him either. So it's one of those things where he's you know on the stat sheet you can look at those things, but he still did acquit himself well. Set up Luger for a couple of scoring chances. Was good on the forecheck. Noticeable performance in his debut in the National Hockey League, and he did meet with the media RD Baines in Colorado after a three one loss against the Avs. Yeah, it was really special. I think I almost uh, kind of forgot to hit the pucks on the ice when I went out there. So that's how kind of, kind of, you know, I was just in awe being out there. So it was really special. How about the first shift and then maybe managing the nerves? Did you talk to anyone on the bench? Yeah, I think everybody kind of came up to me and gave me some, you know, some some words. And throughout the game, they were really positive with me. So it was it was a great experience, and and the team really helped me through. What did you like about the overall effort of the group? Yeah, I think everybody competed really hard tonight. It was a tight game and. They're, they're a tough team, so I think uh, I learned a lot tonight, so it was really special. Did, uh, did your dad make it in? Yeah, my dad was here, so that's, that just it means the world to me. Did you, what was it, was it as good as you thought, better than you thought, better than you dreamed of? Yeah, I know this is a dream come true for you. Yeah, for sure. I think just first stepping out there, it just feels like a dream, and then kind of when you get uh, into your first shift and throughout the game, just kind of, kind of just like another hockey game, so yeah, it was really cool. I wonder what your dad said to you before the game. Yeah, I think he uh, he was a little emotional. Told me you know, a little bit, a little bit of water in his eyes. But it's it's that's every kid's dream, I think, to make their dad proud. He seemed pretty locked in. Is that sort of his demeanor? Pretty low profile. Yeah, for sure. I think he's kind of like me, just a little, a little bit mellow. And I think he he uh, was really happy tonight. Uh, that is Archie Baines making his debut and uh, extra special because his dad was on the trip as well, uh, the father's trip uh, or mentor's trip as well because mm-hmm. uh, not everybody's father. Uh, uh, able to make it out on the trip, but um, it's extra special having him in the building too. And um, mentions kind of the nerves, forgot what to do at one point. I'm, I'm sure it might, must be overwhelming when you make your debut like that. Unbelievable uh, moment for him. Six fifty, six fifty. I just lost a text about RSD Baines as well. Uh, I, I'm struggling today with the text. Yeah, some Dino says that RSD Baines' dad make it to the game. Yeah, he was there. Um, uh, all right, sorry yeah. for my text. Um, unsigned here. Some of this is on talk of two. Miller back to the half wall and power play. Someone else on this line besides Suter. Baines already looks more capable of making plays and keeping them going. That's an unsigned text here into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Yeah, and I think that's something that he impressed early in training camp too, and we saw it in Victoria. His ability on the forecheck, but also connecting play. Mm-hmm. You know how we talk so much about can you make plays, how many passes can you make in the offensive zone, and one of the things that PDG does well or did well early was just making simple plays, makes yeah. a couple passes, gets to pucks, goes to the right spot. There is a lot of that in Archdeep Baines's game. Yeah, no, PDG was more, I'll, I'll give it to the support guy helping me forecheck, yeah. and, and Miller would be there off the boards, and mm-hmm. not Brock Bester, early part of the season that was working so well. Baines, to me, was more central passing. Yeah. Like, he was getting off the boards, past the goal line, and someone was going to the net. Like, Bluger had a couple of chances. Yeah. Net front. And that, to me, like, that that's... Better playmaking than what PDG was providing. Absolutely, uh, it's it's about connecting plays. Everybody does it differently, mm-hmm. but how do you influence the play in the offensive zone? There are a lot of positives uh, from the way Baines played. So great debut for him, honestly, and, and hopefully he builds on it. We'll see ultimately how it goes, how far it goes, how he fits in. But the things that you would expect him to to do well at his best, he showcased. He's not the fastest player, but it didn't look like the pace was was a massive issue for him tonight either, Vic. No, um, like he he got full head of steam. I'll try to bring up his his overall speed here tonight. Um, 
Yeah, but I just noticed like throughout the game, yeah. you're watching for his his yeah. his, his he, skating, how he kept. And yeah, you don't notice him being this burner or this guy's gonna who's going to blow past other players. But uh, I didn't find him, you know, struggling with the pace of play. No, he was never behind the play either. Yeah. Right, so reading the play well. Um, so man, like that 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 is a very encouraging first game for Archdeep Baines, and I, I'm curious if he gets a run on home ice too. Right, if if there's an opportunity here. Um, play the Seattle game, Boston, Pittsburgh coming up. You get some home games, and matchups are different. F- certainly, everyone's legs are different when you come back home, and yeah, not on a back to back. What that looks like in that environment. So, I- I'd like to see him get a couple more games here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, is it a surprise he had success playing with Garland and Bluger? No, those guys with how they've been able to. I mean, honestly, yeah. the only guy who hasn't worked with them recently is Mikheyev, and he hasn't really worked anywhere recently. Yeah, and again, the last couple of games, he I actually think it was decent, so bad. It wasn't for, as bad. Yeah, if he, just, if he scores on a breakaway, then, then nobody's like, had different discussion. There we yeah. go. Yeah, that but, line, you know, Bluger and Garland, might be the duo. Yeah, and, and I thought Bluger tonight was battling hard. You know, mm-hmm. I think they were playing really well down low. It wasn't a signature Garland playmaking game or anything, but I thought he I thought he was digging pucks out really well. I thought that line was was tough to play against tonight. Yeah. Uh, four shot attempts for Connor Garland today, only thirteen sixteen for him. Yeah. Well, it then doesn't get out on the power play. Yeah. Get out on the Bluger sitting at sixteen fourteen. Yeah. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber. We are going to have Ian McIntyre join us as well, and we'll talk about an NHLer named Noah Juleson. And key word on NHLer. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. Uh, this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number Five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up next on the Home of Your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Colton drops it back for Jack Johnson at his own line. He'll dump it back in on the left wing. Bowen Byram, of course, to the left-wing corner boards, battling with the in-call. Puck comes free to Zach Barisi. Passes back to the blue line. Long shot, tip, they score! Ryan Johansson released a long-range wrister for the line. And I think it went off Connor Garland and in. Avalanche go up 2-1. to one. Just 95 seconds into the third. And it starts with a forecheck by Bowen Byram on Ian Cole, and that's where Colorado wins the puck cross-ice feed to Johansson, and it looks pretty harmless, and it goes off the glove of Ian Cole by the looks of it. As he's trying to block it to Connor Garland's near the point, goes off his stick for sure, and it might have been a double deflection I off think Ian it was, Cole as yeah. well. No chance for Thatcher Demko on that one as Ryan Johansson has his second goal of the game. Local boy Ryan Johansson comes up big for the Avalanche. The Canucks lose 3-1 in Colorado against the Avs. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 presented by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. And, you know, I was mentioning you know, an NHLer. Mm-hmm. 
And this text comes in and says, Juleson became a legit NHLer today. Uh, Callum from East Van says, the other Surrey boy, Noah Juleson, made me a fan of his tonight. The worm has definitely turned for this dude. Juleson became a legitimate NHLer today. today. And, you know, and listen, uh, I think when we talked about Noah Juleson early this season, there was a legitimate discussion about, is he, is he really mm-hmm. NHL caliber? Is he more of a quad A guy that's probably good in the AHL, might be a depth guy, but can't rely on him too much. Not only has he proven he's more than a depth guy, like he's proven that he deserves to play on a consistent basis. And on the PK tonight, you know, if the Canucks end up winning this game, how much are we, how much more time are we spending on his PK shift where he blocks a shot, goes down in pain, right? And he's in, in distress. Left arm. But he gets up, gets back into the play. He fights for a loose puck, and if he doesn't get that loose puck, there's an empty net for an Avs player to shoot that puck in. Gets it, gets the puck deep, heads off the ice for a change, and the PK keeps rolling, and next thing you know, they end up killing it off. I mean, that was a huge moment for Noah Juleson, and he's been doing that consistently now for the past 20 games. Certainly, and and that moment is, is the perfect... You know, no Juleson moment where, and, and I imagine this is why Callum's texting in, you know, take a big shot block, still stay engaged in the play, get the clear, and, and away you go. And, you know, we, we talk about, like, the long development path and the something this management group has highlighted that they really like guys who stick with it and, yeah. and are able to, you know, wait for their opportunity. And here's Noah Juleson. Again, he was drafted in 2015. Yeah. And he's coming up to just 100 games now. He's past 100 games, but yeah. it's, you know, at an age now on defense, you know, 26 years old, has the game starting to slow down for you? So I'm excited to see what the next, you know, 50, 60 somewhat games looks like for Noah Juleson because of the growth at this stage has been uh, fantastic. And if he's finally ready to play regular minutes and regular games, uh, what progress for him? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we know the Canucks are still on the lookout for more help on mm-hmm. the blue line and, and improving the team. And we'll see where he ranks. But if you get to a position where he's legitimately your 7-8 defenseman because you have two other guys ahead of him, mm-hmm. that only tells you really good things about the Canucks' depth on the blue line if they're able to do that. But right now, Noel Juleson has found and a he's, home. he's stable. Like we were talking yeah. a bit in the, in the uh, second period. And it's a point I've been making more on, on Tyler Myers where it's like it, the highs are there. Yeah. Certainly the highs are there. But the, the lows are also provided. And Noah Juleson, okay, the highs might not be there, but the lows don't really arrive. No, the lows, I mean, the lows have been there when he turns the puck over really poorly. That happened earlier well, in the season. Yeah, right? and, and obviously the Winnipeg game kind of looms large in, in, in some, some memories here. But for the most part, it's, he just goes about doing his job. He blocks some shots and, and carries Keeps on. Keeps it simple. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's it's interesting because you, what we met, what you mentioned, he's a steady, more steady player. And earlier this season, he was giving the puck away a lot. Like, it seemed like the game was too fast for him. He yeah. took too long to make a decision. That's really cleaned up. But that's where, I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not quite sure he can do it. But now, like, he's making quick reads. He's doing making the simple p- play. And he's steady. And He's playing with Zadorov, and oftentimes he's a steadying influence mm-hmm. with Zadorov because Zadorov will have the highs and lows. Like, and there was a couple of shifts far less with, variance to Juleson's game than far yeah. less, but obviously not as many highs because he's yeah. not as physically gifted as Zadorov is. But 
there was a, one ship in particular. It was in the second period, and I turned to you. This one, I turned to you and said, "Is Zadorov the calming influence? On? I mean, is <laughs> Jolson the calming influence right. to Zadorov? Because he had a hell of a time just making a simple play, getting out of his own zone, and and try to rush it up, lost the puck. He got in some distress, and then had to throw it around to Jolson, who got it, calmed it down, and, and easily got the puck out." Like, you know, there are moments where he's just an outlet for his D partner and he, he's able to make the simple play instead of him also panicking because his partner's in trouble. No, certainly you want to see a bounce back after what happened yeah. in Winnipeg, and, and he's done that here uh, these last couple of games. Uh, here's a text from Jack from Australia. Sky isn't falling yet, fellas. We had many opportunities to win that game. Baines could have shot instead of passed. Rona could have risked that open net shot instead of <laughs> slapping it. Petey could, have, Petey could have fallen down 10 times instead of 20. Lots of room for improvement. Yeah. That's Jack from Australia. Well, you know, Petey had that wraparound chance yeah. that starts the whole Hronik sequence. Um, and then the, the unlucky, like, Lindholm at the side of the net. Gerard makes two crazy good plays, right? If we're just talking about that play where... Lindholm's trying to poke it on the side, yeah. and Gerard's not there, and or, or just squeaks it by him. Totally different. Hoaglander on that chance as well. Uh, just just unfortunate that, you know, as Rick Tockett said, chances just didn't get a bunch of chances just didn't put him in. Yeah, it, it is just it's too bad. Uh, they had enough opportunities there, and you know the Archie Baines one. You know uh, we were joking about that, saying yeah, you know uh, maybe shoot that, but it's, he's con- a rookie. The- he's like, am I, am I gonna if, if he shot this? that, okay. That would speak to to his confidence. Yeah, that would be like this dude is is geared up to play in the show. He's gonna look off Brock Besser in that spot. That would be awesome. Uh, but I, I think he made a play that you would expect a lot of rookies to make. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with the play he made. If he's a you know seasoned vet of 200 games, maybe we say, "Hey, dude, just just shoot that one." <laughs> uh, your first NHL game, I can understand why you passed that one up. Yeah, no. Uh- I'm with you on on, on that. I, I understand why, but the right move probably would have been to shoot the puck. But nonetheless, it's okay. You're playing your first game. It's all good. Uh, a, a lot of thoughts coming in. There's one text that came in here uh, and said, just thinking about how they're deploying the second li- top two lines, but line matching Miller's line against the other team's top lines was pretty effective, at least tonight. Well, and, and tonight, it wasn't a hard match because uh, – uh, McKinnon plays so much. McKinnon and uh, and yes, and yeah. and uh, Rantanen plays so much. But in terms of five on five deployment, uh, the most common opposite opposite forward that JT played against that line played against was the McKinnon Drewan Rantanen line six thirty five against them. But they also played five minutes against. Um, the likes of Arturi Lekkonen, Ross Colton. So it wasn't a hard match. You're on the road. It's not mm-hmm. as easy to match it up as well. And as you mentioned, those guys play a lot, and, and you can't match up in terms of minutes with how much those guys play. But uh, in those minutes, they did equip themselves well. Like JT Miller uh, against Nathan McKinnon head-to-head controlled 75% of the shots. Wow. And in terms of scoring chances, hiding your scoring chances, one, four, none against. Two scoring chances, four, none against. So JT Miller up against mm-hmm. Na- Nathan McKinnon tonight, that line kept them completely off the score sheet. Like they completely, they, they were dominant. They weren't dominated in terms of like, you know, chance after chance and everything, but they had the clear territorial advantage and gave up nothing scoring chance wise. You go up against Nathan McKinnon, you play to a draw, that's a win. Huge. And they But they they did more than just that. Yeah, they were fantastic. Uh Dave in Alberta. All of last season we talked after a loss, how will this team respond? Will they come out guns ablaze in the next game? Three sheet straight games and we are back to last season. No fire in their bellies. Well tonight they they got the the, the first goal. Yeah. 
and it worked its way back. They grew into that period, I would say, as well. Uh, they also get the first goal against Minnesota, the, the first two goals against Minnesota. And did they score? Juleson scored the first against Winnipeg, right? So they've scored the first goal in the last three games uh, there, Dave. So I uh, appreciate the text, but uh, they've had the the urgency to begin the game. Yeah, I mean. just not closing it out. I mean, the only part of their game that has lacked urgency, the last three losses. Power play. Power play. Yeah. Absolutely. Man advantage. Uh, some thoughts on Rick Tockett here, 650-650. Uh, these are the situations that we're going to find out what Coach Rick is. Ooh, and if he take. can st- stall these issues like the other night, uh, he should have called the timeout and he didn't. Ha- and he didn't. Uh, he was all outcoached again tonight. What was he doing? Why is he switching up the power play 124? Or why isn't he switching up the power play 1 for 24? Maybe it's time to change things up, and now we will see what he really brings. He's a great coach, but now he's going to show it. Uh, yeah, I mean uh- – Questioning and support there. I like it. Yeah, no, I, I think you have to see challenge. You have to see how people Problem respond solved, yeah. and, and, and re- respond to things. The only criticism I have of, of Talkit so far, honestly, and we talked about the timeout the other game. There's been some moments you can you can disagree mm-hmm. about this or that, but I'd say a trend that I that I've seen that I don't like as much is perhaps his reluctance to mix things up late maybe load up his top line late like one thing i like to see is in certain situations in games in a tie game or if you're behind yeah load up your top like not not a ton of those that's that's the only thing i'd say outside of that i mean it's been fantastic there was a really interesting moment when they called timeout on the power play as well that uh the 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 power play didn't look like the 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 timeout didn't look like they were overly urgent on that one too It it was something eddie pointed out it's like Nobody really felt like they were like drawn I'll up the be, grease board. I'll be quick on this, knowing that Ian's on the line. Watching that power play with about six minutes left, it seemed like there were just bodies scattered on the bench. Yeah, Pedersen's here, Besser's there, Hughes is here. Don't see a coach with a whiteboard. It felt more like a maybe we just missed it on the on 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 the camera, but yeah, yeah certainly but it felt didn't like, look a like a power play more of let's give the number one unit rest as yeah. opposed to drawing up a plan. To execute right. a critical power play down a goal in the third period in Colorado. And maybe they didn't want to overthink it. Just go and shoot the puck. All right. Uh, you heard Eddie. The man himself is on the line. The man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. And you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. Yeah, I think they were just resting a couple of guys because they yeah. had a long shift before the penalty. I don't think they needed to draw up a plan. Or I, I don't... Well, Obviously, they can certainly rely on their play. recent successes on the power play. Yes, their intent wasn't to draw up a yeah. plan. Their intent yeah. was just to to rest so the guys would be fresh. I thought it was, I thought it was a poor power play, and I thought it and not because they didn't draw up a plan. Yeah, I thought it was a poor power play because to me it illustrated uh, how the confidence has gone out of the unit mm-hmm. and uh, how they fail uh, quite often now to show the aggressiveness that talk it always talks about where he says attacking pressure. And once you beat pressure, go to the net there, there was a lot of that power play where it seemed like JT was standing uh, still mm-hmm. on the right wing sideboards. Uh, Quinn had the puck at the top of the umbrella and was moving it back and forth and kind of looking for an angle, but nothing Nothing was really happening. And then the one chance that they did get was when uh, Pedersen did attack the net. Uh, I don't know who the defender was, but he got inside the defender, took the puck to the net. It wasn't a great angle, 
but he stuffed a shot on net from close range. Uh, JT was there digging for the rebound, and the puck came the puck came back out. But uh, I just thought it, it looks like a, a group that's lost its mojo, that is not that is not confident right mm-hmm. now, and and they're pl- they're playing too stationary, you know, just from point A to point B, and and it's not that hard to to kill in this day and age with as well uh, schooled and athletic and active with their sticks as most penalty killers are now. Um, that's not a that's not a difficult power play to to survive. The Canucks had all kinds of zone time. Mm-hmm. I mean, jo- Georgiev was probably getting tired being in his stance but they weren't doing anything with that zone time because they weren't being aggressive in trying to attack the net with the puck. And, and to me, and we talked about this a bit earlier, Ian, the story of, of this three-game losing streak is uh, their special teams not being good enough. I mean, we could talk about discipline and officials and, and emotional preparedness and, and, and staying calm and playing tough teams. They don't melt down um, and and you know if, and give up all the five on three goals. And if if you're able to maybe score a couple power play goals, maybe you're talking about picking up two or three points or maybe even more in these three games. And and I think that's kind of spoiled what what's been actually in terms of five on five plays, some pretty good performances, especially against the Jets and against the Avs. Yeah, I I would say yes and no. Sad. Uh, yes, you can look at it and you can see that special teams they've lost they've lost these battles like over over the three games but i think you know that's always going to happen in in every season in fact i'm sure there's been stretches earlier this year where they lost special teams over three or four games but their special teams for the most part have have averaged uh above the nhl average so, you know, if you add their penalty kill and, and their power play percentages together, they've been over 100 uh, all season. And so whatever happens, like from one game to another, the big picture is they've been better than the opposition uh, on, on special teams. Right now, they're not. And we know that the power play is really struggling. It's hard to tell. I, I don't know if the PK is struggling. You know, the five on threes, it... <laughs> I don't think I'd remember uh, four or five on threes against them in a game. And I've been covering the team for 30 years and it could be another 30 years uh, before we see it. And that's not to dismiss, you know, their lack of composure and, and their lack of discipline and, you know, composure on the ice and the penalty kill and lack of discipline, but it's just such, such a outlier circumstance. It's hard to know what to make of that. I think there's a lot going uh, more than that going on right now. I think, I think that they, this is the first time they've really had some adversity, you know, is, is their confidence down at all. It, it certainly seems like a lot of things have gone against them, including officiating, but I agree with you. I mean, I took some heat from people because I said the Minnesota game was not about officiating. It was about their lack of composure, their lack of, uh, uh, lack of discipline, but there's no doubt that there have been some strange calls that have gone against them, and now there's strange bounces. Uh, you know, if you look at both Johansson's goals tonight, I mean the the rebound off the end boards that does happen in NHL. JT Miller just scored a goal like that in in Minnesota, but the way that bounced 
you know, from missing the net and then it bounced at an angle and looked like it should hit the back of the net. And instead it hits the corner of the net and comes back out front. So it's like off the end boards, off the corner of the back of the net, back out front to Johansson. Then the second one, Cole put it in, didn't he? Did we see that on the replay? Yeah, yeah, the, it, yeah it looked like the left slightly, jersey yeah. or the, the, yeah. the, the left arm I mean, of the jersey fluttered. Cole's trying to block it, and the shot's just an absolute floater. Like, it's going, that's not the kind of shot that has much of a chance to go in, but, you know, Cole's trying to block it, as everybody does now. Like, nobody gets out of the way anymore and just lets the goalie handle it. If you have a chance to block it, you block it. He tried to block it and put it in his own net. This has been such a charmed season for Vancouver. It just doesn't seem like all these kind of negative circumstances have piled up on them at the same time as they are right now. And then they are they, they do miss Dakota Joshua on that third line, which often has been their best line. Uh, they do miss Carson Soucy a little bit. But, you know, they haven't they haven't had injuries to their top guys. They haven't had you know, it's been such a smooth sailing for them to this point. And, and that's not to suggest that what they've done, you know, they haven't earned, you know, where they are in the standings or or that, you know, this has been easy. But they honestly just haven't had to deal with a whole lot. And right now it feels like, you know, they're dealing with some things. And now they've got to deal with the schedule because, you know, it is it is ridiculous to, to have a five game trip, come back for two, go on the road again, and you're playing three in three and a half days, and you know, tough opponents uh, as well, like Seattle's. I, you know, it's pro. It could get to four on Thursday. Let's say that there's a very real possibility, and if it gets to four, there's a re- very real possibility the losing streak could get to five because then it's Boston at home. And then after that, it's Pittsburgh and then it's LA who are resurgent again. So it's just a really difficult spell, easily their toughest spell of the season. And they haven't had any adversity to this point. So now we're, now we're seeing how they're going to handle it. So at some point they'll, they'll overturn it and, and they'll get through the adversity and we'll, we'll look to the people who did it. But if you're, if you're just looking at someone to help you know, turn the tide for them, uh, who, who, who are you looking at right now, whether it's coaching staff or it's, or, 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 or it's players? Yeah, I don't think it's coaching. I, I, I mean, the, the coaches give them the tools and then they have to go to work. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think it's players. I think there's, there's obviously – you know, their top players at, at times have still looked like top players, but when's the last time they, they looked really dominant? Or let me put it another way. When's the last time the Canucks' top players were dominant versus the other team's top players? And that hasn't, that hasn't yeah. happened mm-hmm. in, in, in a little bit now. And if you look at, you know, the Winnipeg game, what their top line did to Vancouver, look at Minnesota, what their top line did to Vancouver. And tonight, I thought Vancouver had a really good road game. I think this was, yeah. you know, they played about as well as you could expect from them. And, you know, McKinnon and McCarr, they didn't dominate, you know, but at the end of the night, the Canucks get one goal and it was, it was from uh, Miller, which is, which is great. I, I think their top players uh, have to get back to be not only being, you know, playing top, like top players every night, but playing better than the other team's top players. Yeah. 
I mean, a, a lot of a lot of the games recently. I mentioned Dakota Joshua, and I I realized theoretically we're talking about a third line winger, a guy who plays what 13, 14 minutes a night, yeah. something like that. But that line has carried them through a lot of games where their top players didn't necessarily look like all stars, and obviously, you know, beyond sort of that generalization. Lindholm at some point has to find his game, you know, and, and he does a lot of nice things. And, and, you know, tonight he was great on face-offs. You can see that he's, he's kind of a pro's pro. Like he plays the game, right. Is a smart player, knows where to go, but uh, I don't think he's anywhere near uh, his a game. Uh, And, you know, he, he told me after, one of the home games, I think it was the first home game. I don't think it was the Winnipeg game that this transition has been harder than he thought that he, he didn't expect with his first in season trade, because he was traded in the off season before when he went from Carolina to Calgary, he didn't expect that it was going to be as difficult as he has found it trying to pick up a new system and, and sort of blend in and, and, and get, you know, get going with a new team. And I think that transition is, is still going. And certainly it would help, it would help the team if he could, you know, but he's part of that. He, he's now in, in that uh, catch all that I just mentioned of the Canucks top players. He's one of their top players. And so, you know, like, like Pedersen and, and Miller and, and Besser and, you know, they've got, and Hughes even like Hughes has not been the same player the last few games as a whole that he has been for most of this season um you know they they've all got to find another level yeah i would say you know the last two games jt now had four points last game against minnesota and i know you know while they're not at the same level but you know we were num- we were mentioning these stats before you came on head-to-head against nathan mckinnon um jt miller controlled 75 percent of the shots uh, had two scoring chances for none against and obviously scored the goal. So I thought tonight that line of JT and, and Besser really brought it. And it really comes down to, like you mentioned, uh, Pedersen finding his game. And it's funny because he's putting up the numbers. He's doing everything, obviously. But th- we know what his good game looks like. And it seems like it's just not there. Like, what do you chalk it up to? It's just, hey, some struggles over the course of a season, distraction. But he does not quite look himself. And I understand why there are some questions about his play, even though he's still been supreme productive this season well first of all i'd like to know how many minutes he played against nathan mckinnon because nathan mckinnon had 10 shots tonight so i didn't see that as a matchup that was going in vancouver's favor against but jt I, I, against jt yeah um those were minutes away from jt probably yeah um sorry you're you're <laughs> I was thinking about that and researching as you were talking. What's your question again? I was on Elias Pettersson. Uh, and oh. where, what, what do you think is leading, like, we're, we're leading to the problems in his game tonight? You know what? I think, I think he hasn't had any more problems in his game than JT has had. I, I think the, the problem is consistency. Like JT was good tonight. Pettersson has been good in some games, not as good in others. Uh, I thought, I thought Pettersson uh, was all right tonight. What did he have? Four shots and uh, minus one. Um, I just think that it, each of them have kind of been in and out, you know, where they might play well for a couple of games and then they go quiet. The, the, 
JT Brock Besser line was just getting caved in territorially in some games recently. So it's great if they had, you know, a, that they had a better game tonight. That's, that's terrific. And certainly JT, the, what I always like about him is in these big games, you can tell early on that he's switched on, you know, that he's trying to finish checks and he's skating with purpose He's trying to trying to lead by example. Sometimes you don't see that same sort of overt uh, emotional element in 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 his play with Elias Pettersson, but they're different kind of players. I just think neither one of them has strung together uh, a sustained spell of superior play in the last. You know, and I hate to put a time frame on it because I haven't gone back and looked and found like here's the point where they weren't as good. But it feels like weeks since either one of them has been, you know, excellent game after game after game after game for more than just, you know, a couple of games. And so I, I think they just have to, to be consistent in, in, in what they're doing. I don't find any particular fault in, in Pedersen's game. Uh, I just think that, as I said with the group, he's got another level. And he's such an important player to them. He's one of the best players in this league. That uh, he he has to find that other level and try to try to maintain that over over a bunch of games, which he was doing early in the year, as was JT. Uh, last one here. Um, thoughts on Arshdeep Baines making his debut? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting and surprising at the start that that he he didn't just go on the fourth line. He was playing on, on the third line and actually got significant minutes. If you look at 13 minutes and change for, for uh, a debut, he was on for both of Johansson's goals, but I think it was more an innocent bystander than, than culpable. Cause again, uh, a lot of those goals just had to do with opportunism and, you know, a, a break for Colorado uh, I liked his his intensity and I liked his confidence. I liked that he was actually making plays with the puck. I think it, he set up Teddy Bluger twice uh, on excellent scoring chances in front. And there's obviously something there. And he's a player, uh, I can tell you, when I've spoken with Patrick Alvin at times, he's a player that it is not just one of these guys a name on a list of prospects that they hope one day might play for him. He's a guy that they project is going to be an everyday player for them next season. And we know they're going to need a bunch of those guys because they have so many UFAs. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a good debut. Uh, a guy like that uh, unsigned or sorry, undrafted that you sign as a free agent. It's like, it's like found money. It's like as Chris Tanev was, um, for the Canucks. So, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's all positive, right? Like I thought, mm-hmm. I thought he handled his debut well, but his development, the fact that he is ready for this now, at least in doses, small doses is a very positive thing for the organization. I also, as, as a guy who grew up here, it's nice to see some BC guys on the team. Yeah. And I mean, uh, two of the guys, 
are, are kind of unheralded coming in. Noah Juleson, now Archdeep Baines, and they're two of the very few Canadians uh, on the team to begin with right now. So uh, uh, it is yeah. cool to see them. Uh, Not many of them, PDG and PDC, yeah. and, uh, I, you know, Myers is yeah more or less Canadian. He is. Right? I mean, he always represents Canada. Yeah, he was on the World Championship. He just happens to be born in Texas. Yes. Yes. But not, not many, a lot of, a lot of Americans, a yeah. lot of Swedes. Yeah. It's, it's an international bent to this team, but uh, unfortunately came up short in Colorado tonight and Ian, great stuff as always. We look forward to chatting with you when they take on the, the Seattle Kraken in Seattle. Are you going to Seattle for that game? I am. Okay. I am. I'm going to drive there tomorrow and uh, I'll be on site for Thursday's game. So I'll be talking to you from beautiful. And I, I mean that. It is a spectacular, beautiful climate pledge arena. Yeah. No, it's going to be about 11, 10 on Thursday evening. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. 11, 10 Thursday evening. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Ian, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate your time and look forward to chatting with you on Thursday and reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. All right. See you guys. It's an interesting week for the Canucks, for sure. Yeah, it certainly has been. We'll see if they salvage it in Seattle. Thanks. Uh, that is Ian McIntyre. Fantastic as always. Uh, appreciate his thoughts. Uh, and that brings us to the end of the show. We appreciate everybody texting in, calling in. And you heard uh, Ian come in on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. And Ian is a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLE. AMC.com. Bick, what's happening on the People Show tomorrow? You don't uh, know. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's got to think about it. Yeah. He has time to think about it tonight. Good hygiene. Uh, fa- fast Eddie Gregory, thanks for producing, doing all the great work behind the scenes. And thank you all for listening, participating in the show. Can't wait to be back at it again on Thursday. But before that, tomorrow I'm back at it with Dan Riccio on Canuck Central. We have overrated, underrated, plus Kevin Woodley joining us. So there stay tuned for that. Uh, this has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number five is open. Thanks for listening to Sportsnet 650.